If you've got your Bibles with you or your Bible apps or you just want to listen, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke in the 22nd chapter. I'm going to begin at the 54th verse. This takes place just as Jesus is arrested there in the garden. Hear these words. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when there, there, and when there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. May the Holy Spirit that is moving among us, that has been trying to get our attention, add an anointing that the living Word of God might this very day live in our hearts. Would somebody say amen? So, Peter wept bitterly. No getting around it. This is a sad story. And so, for today's sermon, I want us to sing a sad song. And I'm going to teach you this sad song. I've written it, but I chose it because of the melody. Uh, it's a song some of you will have never heard of, and some of you will know very well. It's a song called Tom Dooley. And it's based off a legend that happened in North Carolina. And I think it's one of the saddest songs that there is. So that's why I chose that melody. But this is an audience participation sermon. So you're going to be singing it with me. You're going to sing the chorus with me. So when I say, well now, boys. Now let me stop right there and say that although my speaking voice sounds like Tim, my singing voice does not. I have no pretense that I can sing, but it's never stopped me. Never, never even slowed me down. So when I say, well now, boys, men, men, I want you to sing these words. Hang down your head, Simon Peter. Hang down your head and, and stop right there. So it's, hang down your head, Simon Peter, hang down your head, and, and you're going to stop right there, all right? Well, now, boys, hang down your head, Simon Peter, hang down your head, and, all right, ladies, after a pause on that and, I want you to sing, cry, because it's going to be beautiful when you sing it. 
And then you're going to finish us off with hang down your head, Simon Peter, for the Lord you will deny. So all of us will be singing that last part. Let's go through that one more time, fellas. It's going to start with you. Well, now, boys, hang down your head, Simon Peter, hang down your head and Hang down your head, Simon Peter, for the Lord you will deny. One more time and we'll start. Well, now, boys, hang down your head, Simon Peter. Hang down your head and Hang down your head, Simon Peter, for the Lord you will deny. Met him on the seashore, place called Galilee. Left my boat and fishing when he said, come follow me. Saw him heal a lame man, caused the blind to see. How could I deny him unless the one who's blind is me? Well, now, boys, hang down your head, Simon. Peter, hang down your head and hang down your head, Simon. Peter, for the Lord you will deny. It's a sad song. It, it's a hard truth. As I studied the scripture, there was another passage of scripture from the book of Revelation, 22nd chapter, that came to my mind, and it was this, the Lord will wipe away every tear, the promise of heaven, the Lord will wipe away every tear. As I thought about that passage, and as I studied this passage, something struck me. You cannot wipe away a tear until a tear has been shed. And Peter could not realize the depth of God's love until he realized the depth of his sin. Will you agree with me in this interpretation? I feel on pretty solid ground in saying this, that when Peter said to, to Jesus, I won't deny you. There's no way. I am not going to deny you. I believed he believed that 100%. He had followed Jesus for three years of his life. He had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. He had seen Jesus feed the multitude. He'd seen so much. And so he could not fathom any scenario in which he would deny knowing Jesus. But he did. And, it, and he wept bitterly because at that moment he realized the depth of his sin. Theologians call that doctrine total depravity. The doctrine of total depravity. That every human being is bent towards sin. I don't know about you. I don't use the word depraved or depravity very often in my vocabulary. It has to be something happening in our world. Something that I see that is the worst of the worst of the worst before I would ever use that word. But theologians describe it not as just depraved or depravity but total depravity. The concept that we're more broken than we want to admit. That we're, we are more capable of hurting somebody than we want to ever face in our lives. 
If I haven't convinced you of that yet, um, you're going to hear something on television. You're going to hear somebody say something in the next week. You're going to know it's a lie. You're going to know it's an exaggeration, and it's going to make you mad. You're going to turn to somebody else in the room with you watching TV and go, look at that. That Can you believe what people say these days? And it's going to make you mad that somebody is telling an untruth. And within 48 hours, or at least within a week, you're going to tell an untruth. We live in a, a society that is woke to what is wrong with this world, but asleep to what is wrong with us. Everything in human nature wants to keep us from seeing our sinfulness. So much of our culture wants to keep us from becoming aware of just how broken we are. The devil does not want you to know that you're a sinner because when you know that you're a sinner, you can have an opportunity to be, to be a forgiven sinner, to be a, become a saint of what God wants. And so, if it is so difficult to see that about ourselves, if we know that, then we will avail ourselves of everything that God can give us to take that difficult look. And God gives us the Scriptures which, which remind us of His holiness. You see, Peter thought he was okay because he was comparing himself to some of the other disciples. You know, I, you guys are okay if you compare yourselves to Ted Bundy. I think you're doing pretty good, most of you. If I'm feeling bad about myself, I just start thinking about some of my relatives, and all of a sudden, I just readjust that halo a little bit. <laughs> you see, Peter encountered a sinless Savior. And it was then and only then that he could see that he would break God's heart. It's a sad song. And I promise you, it's going to get better. A whole lot better. But let's don't skip the tear part. So we'll miss that tear being wiped away. Well now, boys, hang down your head, Simon Peter. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Simon Peter. For the Lord you will deny. Followed him to a garden, a garden called Gethsemane. I couldn't stay awake when he said, come pray with me. Guards came in the garden, came to arrest my Lord. I was ready to defend. He said, put away your sword. Well, now, boys, hang down your head, Simon. Peter, hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Simon Peter, for the Lord you will deny. This wasn't the last time that Simon Peter would deny the Lord. This was the most dramatic, 
time. This was the, 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 the story that gets told over and over again. This was when he verbally denied the Lord. But Peter was a sinner that Jesus was still working on all the days of his life. And so there were other times when, when he conflicted with Paul, when, when, when he misunderstood God, when he thought of himself before others. There were many times that he would deny the Lord. And, and church folks... I want to say some hard stuff, and, and I'm, I'm saying them to me too, I really am, but there's more than one way to deny the Lord. I don't know uh, what, what, what happens in your head, but uh, when I was in seminary and we began to study the persecuted church, what was going on in the world and still going on in the world, I used to imagine scenarios of what I would do if my life depended upon whether I denied the Lord or said He is Lord. Have you ever imagined what you would do? Have you ever thought about that? There are places in the world where when somebody comes out of church, there's somebody with a gun standing there, and they're arrested. There are places in the world where people lose their job, taken away from their family. There are places in the world where people are tortured because they say Jesus is Lord. And there are places in the world where they're given the choice, either deny Jesus and live, or live for Jesus and die. I don't know about you, but I've always wondered what I would do in that scenario. What would I do if my life depended upon whether I called out the name of Christ as Lord and said that He was my Savior? I probably won't have to face that. There's a pretty good chance I'm going to go the rest of my life and no one's going to threaten my life because of my faith. I don't know what's in store for our nation or what's ahead, but there's a, there's a pretty good chance I'm not going to have to do that. But if I say that Jesus is the answer for every human heart and I don't do anything to call somebody to know that, is that not a denial that He is Lord and Savior? Ouch, I don't know about you, but my toes hurt. That hurts. But here's the truth. If you say, and if you believe Jesus is Lord, He is the answer. Every human being needs to know Him. Everybody, the only way to get forgiveness, to have the life that's worth living, is to know Him. If you say that, if you believe that, if you sing that, and you do nothing to pull somebody into that body of Christ where they can hear that truth, if you, if you never share that, if you believe in prayer, if you have seen God answer prayer, and you get an opportunity to pray with somebody, now, I, you know, I'm not saying that that's, you know, 24-7 all moments, and when somebody says, may I take your order, and you say, can I pray for you, you lost sinner? But there are moments, there are moments that you're going to have, that somebody's going to share, and, and, and you're going to have enough of a relationship, you're going to know them well enough, or just a, a holy moment in time uh, that, that God opens up for you, that you could pray with them, that you could just say, can I pray for you? And somebody shares what's going on in their life, the struggle they have, you say, would it be too weird if I just prayed for you right now, a simple prayer? If you could do that, if God has opened a door for, for you to do that, and, I, you know, 
I, I do understand there's some people who are, who are shy or terrified or, or feel unworthy. But if God opens that moment, it speaks to your heart, and you could pray for them, and you don't, is that not a denial? If, if the Scriptures tell us that when we feed the hungry, when, 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 when we visit prisoners, when we care for those who are hurting, that we're doing it for Him, if we say that, if we sing that, if we believe that, but we do not do that, is that not a denial? One of my new favorite memes says this, when Jesus called you to the task to the life that he's calling you into, he took into account your stupidity and mine. <laughs> I'm so comforted by that. You see, Simon Peter was shocked by his denial, shocked by his sinfulness. But Jesus was not shocked, not shocked at all. He knew that he would deny him. He told that he would deny him, and he still went to the cross for him. He knows you're messed up. He knows you're broken. He knows you have missed opportunities to make a difference in this world. And he still loves you, and he still hasn't given up on you. It's time for this song to get just a little bit more bright. I'll do the singing now. He said, I deny him, but I told him no. He said, I deny him before the rooster crows. Lift up your head, Simon Peter. Let him dry your eye. Lift up your head, Simon Peter. On a cross for you he died. Lift up your head, Simon Peter. He gave you the name Rock. Lift up your head, Simon Peter. Time for you to feed the flock. The denier became the proclaimer. The, the one who Jesus also said of, get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, you know, when Jesus calls you Satan, whoo, that's tough. Man, uh, that's, that's tough stuff. But that same man, he said, you're the rock. You're the, 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 the foundation that it is built on. And you're the one I want you to feed my sheep. You see, he, he, he said with his voice that he denied him. But he said with his feet that he would live for him. Because he became a leader in the body of Christ. Let's not just, just talk about Peter. Let's talk about doubting Thomas. Poor old Thomas gets a bad rap. He said, unless I see the scars on his hands and the, scar nails in the, the spear scar on his side, I'm not going to believe. If I don't see that, I'm not going to believe. So he got that name Doubting Thomas because that's what he said. But he was in that upper room when Christ revealed himself. He was back among God's people. He said he had doubts, but his feet said he needed faith. And so, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with. But if you're showing up among the body of Christ in worship, in mission, in discipleship, then you are giving God a chance to use you as an instrument of His blessing. You see, Peter stopped focusing on what he could do. Peter stopped focusing on what he could not do. And he started focusing on what Christ could do through him. 
He began to not believe in himself, but believe in a Savior who is in the business of redeeming sinners. I am so excited to be at this place. I've gotten to be here last couple years, but I never have taken the chance to put my toes in the sand. And I'm going to do that uh, during this month and, 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 and enjoy that. The last time I got to go to the beach... Uh, I meant to say the coast, uh, Christians go uh, to the coast, heathens go to the beach. Um, The last time I was at the coast with my grandson, we were making a sandcastle. And we were having a ball. You know, you dig that moat around there and you get all the shells. And, and, and we made a beautiful sandcastle. And I stood back and I loved it and thought, wow, that's, that's so cool. I want to do that again. But then we went walking down the beach and we saw a sand artist. You've seen that, right? The people who, who do that kind of thing. And this guy had taken sand. Sand is just another word for dirt. It's just tiny little seashells been been bored down. And he took sand, the same sand that we took, But he made this incredible, beautiful, giant turtle and this dragon off in the distance. And what what speaks to me is this. In the right hands, you can take dirt and make it into an art. And in the right hands, the hands of a nail-scarred Savior, he takes sinners and he makes them into saints. He takes people who are broken and he uses their brokenness to open their heart to others. He takes people who are messed up but willing to be used by him to do incredible things. Our God is good at it. Several years ago, I was on loan to the Quakers. I've told that story before, but I pastored a Quaker church. And I met a, a fellow by, there by the name of Chris Brown. And Chris uh, had been out of church for a very, very long time. But, but the gospel got in him. It got in his, his heart and in his life. And, and, and I could, you just see the Holy Spirit all over him. And so we had a Wednesday night service. And uh, I, I said, Chris, I, I want you to, to preach. And you can imagine what this fellow said. He's just an old country boy. He, he, he had a Fu Manchu and still has a Fu Manchu. Always wore a, 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 a cowboy hat outside of church and cowboy boots. And I said, Chris, I really think you've got a word to speak to God's people. Something's happening in your heart and life. And, and um, he said, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm not worthy. It's, I'm just not worthy. And uh, he was right. He's not. And, and none of us are. But I kept bugging him. I said, Chris, I just, I, I just see God all over you. And I see God moving in your life. And there's somebody that is hurting that needs to know that God hadn't given up on. So he got up and spoke. And then he got plugged into the life of the church in incredible ways. And uh, he asked me to preach at a tractor pull. Huh? What? What? Never been to a tractor pull before. And um, because he asked me to do that, a man got saved and is now pastoring a church. I hear from him every once in a while. And then, I don't know when, maybe a year or two ago, um, Chris Brown saw a bunch of kids with nothing to do. And he wanted to reach them. And he said, I'm going to start Garage for God. And uh, I'm going to have kids drive go-karts 
for fun. But they're going to have to learn Bible verses. They're going to have to pray together. They're going to have to spend some worship time together. Now, Barry, I'm seminary trained. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I got 30 years ministry. Why did it never hit me that kids love go-karts? I never thought about that. I mean, they do, right? They love it. And so, all over that community, and they just did a big a newspaper article about him because kids are coming in droves. And they are staying, not just because it's fun, but because they're, they're finding a community of faith. They're finding out you can worship outside the, the, the walls of a church. They're finding out that the scriptures mean something to them because God took a dude with a Fu Manchu and a cowboy hat who said he was not worthy and he took him and he made an instrument of his grace and mercy and if he can do it with him, he can do it with you. And you've got an idea that nobody else has thought of. You've got a skill set. You've been through something that nobody else has been through. God is taking you through that so you can use that, baptize it, hold it under, make it Baptist, hold it under till it ties. Take that experience of your life and let God use you as an instrument of his grace there is no greater life than that life. Lift up your head, Simon Peter. Let him dry your eyes. Pick up your cross, Simon Peter. Daily, you're going to die. See, Simon Peter was afraid to lift high the name of Jesus because he was afraid he would get killed. He, he all of a sudden realized that this was serious and he was going to die. But the great beauty and irony of the Bible is we are going to die. We're going to die to sin, die to selfishness. We're going to die to our own attempts to find a life so that we can be raised up in Christ, raised up in new life, raised up in a life that has meaning and purpose and hope. That is what God has for you. You are a child of His. Don't skip the repentance part. There's no way to get to the redemption part without it and so years ago in the church there was a mourner's bench and I don't know how it disappeared but it did but there people would feel under the conviction of sin and they'd come and pray so we're going to make this altar area a mourner's bench and I'm going to invite you to deal with the sin that's in your life that is Everything in you says, no, don't do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to come to this altar. Somebody sees me at that altar, they're going to think that there's sin in my life. They already know it. They live with you, beside you, go to church with you. You can't skip it. You can't. Because it's in that recognition of how much you need Him. You find out how great His love is greater than our sin, greater than anything we face. So I'm going to invite you to come and say, Lord, show me my heart. Show me where I haven't forgiven. Show me when I've neglected to do what you're calling me to do. But don't, don't stay there. Don't wallow in that. Receive that forgiveness. Let this place be a place that you believe that what He did on the cross was for you. That by His blood you are cleansed. That when He rose from the dead, He is rising your life out of that death, out of that brokenness, and out of that hurt. And then while you're here, I'm going to invite you to pray for your pastor. Pray for, for real renewal. 
the dude was already on fire. I feel sorry for y'all when he comes back. Woo! Y'all are in for something. But I love him like a brother. And I, I want God to bless him. Because I know that those blessings will bless the church. So while you're here uh, uh, realizing your brokenness, while you're here believing in your forgiveness, pray for your pastor. And then, then there are things going on in your life you ought to be seeking God after. Tomorrow I'm going to be a part of the funeral of my uncle. And uh, I'm praying for my mom. I'm praying she's watching her brothers and sisters pass away. And uh, so I'm going to be spending some time in prayer for her. I'm also going to be at that altar saying, Lord, show me my heart. The areas I don't want to look at. I'm also going to say, Lord, remind me again that I am forgiven. Not because I've earned it or deserve it in any way. But because you died on the cross for me. This is a holy moment that God has brought us to. And I, I, I don't want anybody to miss it. Lord, break the chains that bind and set the captives free. God wants to do business with you today. And I want to give you that opportunity. Will you stand at this time? We're going to sing a last song. And as you feel tug at your heart to come and pray at this altar, I, I pray that you would do that. There'll be people here. If you want somebody to pray with you, there's lots of leadership that would be glad. And if you just need to spend some time with your Heavenly Father, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll allow you to do that. And so, Lord Jesus, you're speaking to us even now. We want to know what it really means to be forgiven. We're seeking you in prayer.